Thanks, Chris. There is a lot of stuff going on here today. There's extra screens and wires and uh, people tuning in. Devin and Andrew are doing a great job. Uh, very appreciative of that. <clears throat> I don't think there's a lot in a... I think the, the uh, title of the, of the sermon isn't the most important uh, thing, but I, I have changed, after looking at the passage more closely this week, I have changed the topic from uh, what was the, the rock of salvation to essentially the three points of this message, the problem, the solution, and the action. I tried to get three words that started with the same letter, but after wasting an hour or so on that, I just thought, no, forget about that. The message is much more important. The problem, the solution and the action. The overarching theme of Isaiah, as we've been studying through this year, has been the message of God to his people. Where will you place your faith? Where will you place your trust? Is it in the resources of of the nations around you? Is it in the wisdom of of humanity, in the wisdom of, of the leaders? Or will you place your faith and trust in your God? And this theme continues through Isaiah. And all their troubles and places that they're led to. And we find ourselves here in 43, uh, Isaiah is prophesying here to the, the captivity of Israel to Babylon. And it is God who has allowed Babylon to take Israel captive. And last week, uh, Brett took us through, I am the Lord. Uh, it's a, if you missed that, I'd encourage you to listen to it. It's a good message. And back in 43, verse 14 and 15, God says, I am your Redeemer. I am your Holy One. I am your Creator. I am your King. I am your Lord. So what's the problem? Well, we get to verse 22. And it says, the word yet. Might just go on to the next one if I can, sorry. It goes on to the word yet. And and you get this feeling that that God's people are are missing the point. You get this feeling that they're, they're, they're not understanding what God is about. And, and God goes on to say, you, you, you're keeping this tight religious schedule. You, you're doing well with all your rocking up and, and, and performing your religious duties. You're ticking the boxes. But that's not what I'm about. The problem is sin. They're missing the mark of God's expectations. They're doing life their way. They're treating the sacrifices and the the temple practices as just merely activities that need to be done. But where is God in all this? 
Verse 24, you have burdened me with your sins, God says. It's the same message at the beginning of the book. God says in chapter 1 that they have become a burden to me and I am weary of of bearing them. I hide my eyes from them and I am not listening to them. You know, the, the parallel, it's, um, I don't think it's too hard to see. When we consider our own heart and our own attitude, when it comes to church life, to offering, to our time of communion, attendance, to reading the Bible every day, to our prayer life. All good things. They're all things that I and the the elders uh, would encourage us all to do. Yet we can make even these good things, we can make these all about us, can't we? We can see them as expected things to do. People are watching That's what they want to see. That's what I'm feeling like everyone wants to expecting of me. And I feel better about myself when I can do this and that. And But where's God in all this? There's a few examples of this in the New Testament as... If you go to 1 Corinthians 11, we use this passage quite often when it comes to a time of communion. And rightly so. But but the context of why Paul is writing is important. As I've often wondered at times, I wonder what sort of letter we would get from an apostle at Monty. Would it be just a short one, uh, just one of encouragement and praise for doing the Christian life and church life in our community so perfectly well? <laughs> the fact is there's actually nothing new for us to receive about everything we need to learn from and be encouraged and taught is actually in scripture already. But you see here in 1 Corinthians 11, their, their attitude towards many things, actually this church in Corinth, their attitude was not great. And especially in chapter 11 around communion, it's terrible. They're selfish They're ungodly. This time of remembrance is not a time that is honouring God. It's showing off. And verse 17, Paul says, I have no praise for you when it comes to this. If you go to Mark 12, Jesus is is sitting there near the temple there with his, his disciples as the people come and give. And the rich people come and they throw their money in to be seen. And the lady, oh, the, the widow comes with a couple of copper coins. The attitude of the giver is far more important than what the amount is given. In Matthew 6, Jesus talks about prayer. He says, don't pray to be seen. If you want to be seen as righteous, don't stand on the corner yelling out your prayers just so everyone can look at you and say, wow, what a godly man, what a godly person. 
Pray because it honours God. Pray because it shows your dependence upon him. Don't lead a ministry or the, don't lead the church for a, for a power trip, for an ego, for a, for, for a, uh, you know, a self-importance title. We, we really can take anything and stuff it up, can't we? In our sin, we can take what is meant to be right and God honouring and turn it into an, an idol, turn it into all about us. Back in chapter twenty nine thirteen, God said, They come near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We can do that too, can't we? Come to this place, this church, not recently, but you don't even need to come to this church. You can sit on your couch this morning, sing the songs, take communion. But where is God in all this? You burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offences. Sin has always been, always been, since the beginning. And it will continue to be the problem. In relationship with God, that we are separated from God. And once in relationship with God, it is the problem of fellowship with God and our closeness in trusting him day by day. Well, then what is the solution? What do we read here about the solution for this problem of sin? That the solution is really bookending this passage that I have here in Isaiah 43:22 through to verse 23 of 44. In, in verse 25, it, it says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. For my own sake and remembers your sins no more. And at the end of this passage in verse 22, I've swept away your offences like a cloud, your sins like the morning mist. What is the solution? We, we are amazed at the, at, at people or, or animals that, that are saved. There's some uh, there's some wonderful stories that come out of horrible circumstances. Uh, if you go right back, if you're old like me and you can remember Stuart Diver, the the lone survivor from the Threadbow landslide in 1997. We think about just 20 years ago, we've been remembering the the horrific uh, act of violence at the at the Twin Towers in New York. And there were, there were people pulled from the rubble and survived. More recently, we, we had the circumstance of a, of a three-year-old boy who was found after three days, AJ. And the joy you could see on, on family and friends. The past uh, week, we, we, if you saw it uh, during the week, there was a, a kangaroo saved from Lake Burley, uh, Lake Burley Griffin in Canberra, 
some uh, kangaroos can do some real damage. But it was a, a great story. These guys in the morning on their ride saw this kangaroo stuck in the water and couldn't get out, and they jumped in and saved him. You know what is so amazing about the solution to our problem of sin is that it can never be done by you or me. Andy can't rescue me. I can't save Chris. You can't save or rescue yourself. The problem is and always will be the sin of humanity against God, but the solution is and will always be God saving humanity through Jesus. In chapter 1, God says to his rebellious people, let us reason together. Let us reason together. You need to hear the truth of the state of where you are at. You need to hear the truth of where you are at, people. Yet here it even seems with, with the truth laid bare and, and God just, just declaring who he is to his people. They're arguing with God. This is your fault. We're in a mess because of you. Verse 26, review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the case for your innocence. There's no answer from the people. Most of you would know that in 2018, I, well, we bought a business in the city of Melbourne. I use the term we uh, quite casually as I, I know that it was mainly my decisions at the time. And, and without going into all the details, um, as I have reflected more and more, I know there were times where I made selfish decisions and I had the wrong attitude. And I have learnt lessons that I wish I didn't have to learn in that particular way. And I've broken trust in relationships that has taken time to build. But I still had some great memories in the, in the city, some, some great weeks and some great times and some uh, relationships with, with people that aren't Christians that I have strong relationship with now and we still talk often. But many days, many days I ask God, why, why is it like this right now in my life? And a lot of it had to do with sin in my own life. My attitude, my intentions, the thoughts and the actions of my own life. You know, sin has been the problem since the beginning. Adam and Eve. 
and sin will continue to be the problem in the human race. In 2021, in 2022, in 10 years, in 50 years, we are in need of a solution. In the short term, in Isaiah, God's people, it says, will be, they'll be rescued from the Babylonians. God will bring his people back to the promised land. There will be water poured out on their land, his spirit poured out onto his people. God's promises will come to fruition. He is faithful and his people will recognise their God. And ultimately the, the solution is found in Isaiah 53 for all humanity... What is described there as the man of sorrows, despised and suffering servant, Jesus Christ. And God placed upon him the penalty for the sins of the world. And the only way that God could forgive Israel and that God can forgive you and me today, remembering it no more, Sweeping sins away like a cloud in the morning mist. The only way is through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God's anger for all sin placed on Jesus at the cross. So that we may know forgiveness. That we could experience new life with purpose. And the hope of a relationship and eternal relationship with our creator. What a solution. Jesus, the suffering servant who came and died and rose again to life. So here's the problem, sin. The solution is Jesus. So what next? What's the action? In Isaiah 44, 6 to 8. Thanks. Oops, sorry, mate. Isaiah 44, 6 to 8. He said, God says, who is like me? I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. There is no other rock. Uh, God is referred to as a rock at least 60 times. A lot of those references are found in the Psalms. Chris read one out to us this morning. There are some even in the New Testament. And here, God refers to himself as the the one and only rock. The immovable. The steadfast, almighty and powerful. Incomparable. If you read through verses nine and, and twenty nine to twenty in uh, in chapter forty four, we read about God says the foolishness of trying to compare craftsmen and and their and their the idols that they make to the one and only God, the Creator of the universe. It's stupidity to compare an idol to God. It says, why would you bow down to a block of wood? It can't save you. 
What is the response? What is the action of creation and God's people? Verse 23, sing for joy, O heavens. For the Lord has done this. Shout aloud, O earth, beneath. Burst into song, you mountains, you forests, and all your trees. You know, when I read that, when I read about that response, I, I couldn't help but just mine go to, to Psalm 19. So well known, but, but so profoundly true. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. We might think that the sun just exists to give us light and heat or a tan on the beach. Or the moon just mainly exists just to give us some light in the night time or something round to look at. Or the stars are just there to twinkle, twinkle and shoot across at times the, 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 the nighttime sky. Yet God tells us something completely different. His creation, first and foremost, is to give him glory. Creation's first priority and reason for existence is to give God glory. To shout and sing. To declare who he is. His unchanging character, his power. And the rest of 23b says, For the Lord has redeemed Jacob, he displays his glory in Israel. So it's not just the sun, the moon and the stars and the trees that God wants to declare his glory through. But all creation... You and me and Israel here. God chose a nation to use for his purposes. To display his glory to the world. And the real purpose and the real priority for us as created beings is to display the character and glory of God. That's why it says in the New Testament that God wants to control your mind, to surrender your life to him. You can do all the things you want to do, play golf, travel to Europe in a few years' time, travel around Australia, join a footy club, study medicine, become a hairdresser, buy a few houses, go live at the beach. Colossians 3 talks about belonging to Jesus. And in the beginning of the passage, it talks about now that you belong to Jesus, stop Stop doing the things that you used to do, the sexual immorality, the lies and greed and lust. 
In verse 12 it says, Therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. In verse 17 it says, And whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, the, Paul, the point uh, that Paul makes here is that God's purpose and, and, and priority on your life isn't about what you study. It's not about the house that you live in. It is as his creation your priority and purpose, first and foremost, is that your life would bring honour and glory to him. That's the action. We know the problem. The solution is Jesus. The action is that our life would bring glory to God. God wanted the, the he wanted the Israelites to, to recognise their sin. See, that's what God's trying to do here. He's trying to tell them, even in their captivity to Babylon, I want this to be an opportunity for you guys to recognise your sin, recognise who I am as your God. Repent from your sin, change your ways. Trust in me, he says. Be Be the devoted, holy people that I want you to be. And so this morning, God asks of you. Do you recognise the problem? Perhaps for the very first time in your life, you recognise the problem of sin. Perhaps for the very first time, you see yourself as a sinner not in a relationship with the one and only rock the creator and perhaps for the very first time you recognise and acknowledge Jesus as the solution Romans 10.9 says confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Isn't that great? That's not a, that's not a a process of, uh, of paperwork, of being in a particular building, of talking to a particular person. It's a decision of faith between you and your God. Maybe you've made that decision already in your life. A year ago, or two years ago, or ten years ago, or twenty years ago. But you acknowledge right now that I'm not living the way God wants me to. I've been making some pretty bad choices. Selfish, greedy, ego-driven. And while my relationship with God is is secure, my fellowship with God is distant. 
The joy of my salvation is not there day to day. The peace of God isn't ruling in my life at all. The solution is Jesus. Jesus is the only way. The only place we find forgiveness of sins. And God remembers them no more. He has a life for you that is about giving glory to him. May you receive the solution this morning. Surrender your life to him and live this life of action, of glory to him that he has for you this morning. Let's give thanks. Father God, we do give you thanks that you have made a way to be made right with you. You haven't asked us to tick off a million different boxes and action items, but to simply come and confess Jesus is Lord. Believe by faith that our sins are forgiven through the death of Jesus. May that be real in our lives today. And may we be a people who are surrendered to you, recognising that the priority on our life is to give honour and glory to your name. Use us for your glory, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I encourage you to stay on and and, uh, jump on the Zoom and uh, be able to catch up with one another. Um, if something has touched your heart this morning, if God is moving in your life, I also encourage you to reach out to someone. Uh, if it's not myself, reach out to another elder or someone you trust. We'd love to support uh, you and pray with you and do what we can with you on, on this journey with God. God bless you. Thank you.